Food Heals Nation, what have you been doing lately when it comes to truly caring for your skin? Have you tried any of the light therapy facials or the LED masks? I've shared on this show how I use lasers to completely remove my brown spots in the past, and I love anything that can help me with wrinkles or blemishes or redness or scars. I find a lot of great products on YouTube that I test out, and I've just discovered a new brand. It's called Lima, and when you see the before and afters on YouTube, you're going to be a convert too. They are changing the way that you care for your skin on actually a profoundly scientific level. This is the Lima laser. It's the world's most powerful clinic grade cosmetic laser device and the only laser FDA cleared for at home use. Why this is important is because I was spending, I'm not going to tell you how much, way too much money years ago when I was getting rid of those brown spots when I was really healing my skin. And now This same type of technology is available at home, and I'm here for it. I am so excited. So this is a near-infrared laser light that penetrates deep into the dermis, simultaneously working on your fat, muscle, and bone to give you like a non-surgical facelift. It transforms your skin. It helps skin issues like wrinkles, sagging, blemishes, pigmentation, redness, breakouts, and scars. And it does this with zero damage, zero pain, and zero downtime. And I remember the lasers that I used to do, they did have some downtime, so this is great. Make sure to check out some of the before and after photos on the website so you can see what I'm talking about. They have YouTube videos too. But the reason it's groundbreaking is it uses that near-infrared low-level light technology, which is completely cold and painless, and it's 100 times more powerful than an LED. And the craziest part is you can even use it with a full face of makeup. So check it out for yourself. Visit lima.life. L is for live. Y is for younger. M is for masterful. A is for approved, and learn more about the Lima Laser. If you're interested in trying one today, you can sign up for their newsletter. Tell them that Food Heals sent you, and please let me know if you order one. I want to hear about your results. Again, it's lima.life, L-Y-M-A dot life. Y'all, oh my God, Food Heals Nation, I just got the softest sheets and pajama set from Cozy Earth, and I had to go and get you a discount code too, so that you could experience the coziness as well. You can visit CozyEarth.com, use the promo code FOODHEALS, and you'll get an exclusive 35% off. So Cozy Earth, it's like your one-stop shop for what they call the luxury she deserves. So listen up, guys, because... This could make a great gift for that special someone, your girlfriend, your wife, the mother in your life. And don't forget, Mother's Day will be here before we know it. So get a gift for the mom or moms. Here's a nice little gift you could ask for. Anyways, let's start with the sheets to transform your sleep. The coolest thing about Cozy Earth Bedding is that it is temperature regulating. So you stay cool, which is so important when you're sleeping. Plus they are just so soft. It feels like I'm sleeping on a cloud. Plus I love the cozy earth quality and longevity promise. All products come with a 100 night sleep trial and a 10 year warranty. So incorporating cozy earth products into your self-care routine can enhance your sleep quality and just overall wellness. So Again, this is the luxury you deserve. You can treat yourself to the ultimate in comfort and indulgence with Cozy Earth bedding and sleepwear and prioritize your self-care and sleep health. 
And while you're at it, don't forget to check out the Bamboo Pajama Set. It was awarded Oprah's Favorite Things in 2019, so you know it's good. I love the softness and breathability of the fabric, and it has these really great side pockets. And don't forget that by supporting our sponsors, you support this show. Head over to CozyEarth.com, use the promo code FOODHEALS for an exclusive 35% off, and go get your mom the luxury she deserves on Mother's Day at CozyEarth.com with promo code Food Heals. Food Heals Podcast, Episode 69. I just didn't want to make it seem like he was saying I have to commit to anything super long. Yeah, so I said, yeah. why don't you just move him for six months? But it's sort of, it, you know... I sold my apartment and my car to come yeah. out here. So. <laughs> <laughs> he's more committed than he thinks. Yeah. So, yeah. Holistic Voice presents the Food Heals Podcast with your hosts, Alison Melody and Susie Hardy. Join the Food Hills Nation and learn the secrets to go from feeling unwell to healing yourself. Warning, side effects of this podcast may include increased health and vitality, thoughts of living longer, an increase in sexual activity, feelings of joy, cravings for kale and quinoa, and a spike in Tinder matches. In rare cases, women have experienced a strong desire to change their status update from hashtag blessed to hashtag OMG even more blessed than yesterday, hashtag loving life. If you experience any of these symptoms, make sure to tweet a Kardashian immediately. All right. Welcome, Food Heals Nation. Thanks for joining us. I'm Allison Melody. And I'm Susie Hardy. Today's guest is Adam Sud. And last time on the Food Heals podcast, Adam shared his incredible life-changing journey with us of beating his drug and food addictions, losing over 100 pounds, and reversing his type 2 diabetes, all by adopting a plant-based diet. So today we have part two of that interview and Adam's twin brother, Bobby, also joined us in the studio to talk about some of the issues he is currently facing and how Adam is helping him overcome them. These two are so inspiring. We loved having them in the studio. But before we get to our interview with Adam and Bobby, we have to tell you about today's sponsor. We sure do. Our sponsor today is Thrive Market. Thrive Market is the first socially conscious online store offering the world's best-selling natural and organic products at wholesale prices. Thrive carries over 2,500 of the highest quality food, supplements, home, personal care, and even beauty products, okay, from 400 of the best brands on the market, all delivered straight to your door at 25 to 50% off a retail price. Their mission is to make healthy living easy, affordable, and accessible for every American family. And they're doing it. Thrive Market believes that the ability to live a healthy lifestyle shouldn't depend on income level, geography, or any other arbitrary barrier. Um, can they run for president here? <laughs> yeah, I think they might be able to. <laughs> Seriously. Whether you're a corporate executive or an elementary school teacher, whether you live on the Upper West Side of Manhattan or in a small town with no local health food store, Thrive believes you and your family should have access to healthy, wholesome, and non-toxic products at or below the price of their processed, artificial, and often toxic alternatives. This is unprecedented in this country, and they wanted to do something about it. They wanted to change the system. Yeah, and they are changing it. So go get your healthy food at thrivemarket.com slash foodheals and get your three-month membership free plus 15% off your first purchase. This is a great deal. They have so many of the products that you're probably buying already, Food Heals Nation, but at Thrive, it is cheaper than at your grocery store. That's right. Thrivemarket.com slash foodheals. And if you're not already a member of our free Food Heals Nation Facebook group, why not join today? This is a group for friends, fans, and guests of the Food Heals podcast. 
who want to connect to talk about holistic health and healing in a safe space. It is a safe space. It's a place where we can all connect privately. No one else is going to see your posts unless they're in the group. And it's a place to connect with us, Susie and I. And you can connect with your favorite guests from prior episodes of the Food Heals podcast. You can find us at foodhealsgroup.com. Coming up, we're answering a listener question, and we have part two of our interview with Adam, and we are joined by his brother, Bobby. The Food Heals Podcast starts now. Okay, Food Heals Nation, we have a question that just came in, and we got this question after we interviewed Adam, so we didn't have a chance to ask him, but Susie and I just wanted to give our thoughts on it, and we think Adam's story will really actually help answer this question as well, so I wanted to include it in this episode. Dear Allison and Susie, I am currently taking prescriptions of Adderall and Wellbutrin to treat my depression and ADD. However, over the last six months, I have been inspired to try to get off this medication as I am transitioning to a vegetarian diet, eating cleaner, juicing, and finally seeing a therapist to deal with my issues, specifically losing my sister in a car accident seven years ago. I really believe in the natural route and what the podcast promotes, but I am scared. Do you gals have any advice of how to get off the medication? I know I have to do so under the supervision of my doctor and all that, but I guess I'm just looking for assurance that this is the right thing to do. I want to heal myself holistically and naturally as possible, and I am transitioning off of toxic food. I also want to clean my body of the drugs that I have been taking for the last few years. Do you or any of your guests have experience with this? Well, first of all, thank you so much for this question, and I know a lot of people can relate to being on certain medications and wanting to come off of them. But obviously, I just have to say that Susie and I are not doctors, and we would never, ever recommend anyone get off their medication. However, I will share the story of how I got off mine, and maybe it will inspire you. And Adam's story will definitely inspire you as well. So listen to part one last time, and then this is part two. So basically, if you listen to both those episodes, I think it'll help you a lot. But the loss of your sister, we're so sorry to hear that. Um, Susie and I have both suffered losses in our lives as well, so our hearts go out to you because until you've lost someone, you don't know what that type of suffering really feels like. And so I just want to say so much love to you, and the grieving process is a long process, and seven years isn't that long ago. And so honor that grief and allow yourself to feel that grief. And then my story is when my mom died, I was depressed, but I didn't really know what depression was. But I went to a doctor about chronic fatigue. And he basically said, you are extremely depressed and here are some antidepressants. And so I started taking them because I had no awareness of holistic health. I had no awareness of therapy. I thought therapy was for people that had serious mental issues. I didn't realize it was for people just like me who were experiencing a loss. So that wasn't really an option for me at that time, just because I didn't know. And so I started taking this medication and it would make me so numb that I basically turned into a bitch. <laughs> I what? stopped caring. Oh, and oh. <laughs> You're the opposite of a bitch, so that must have been uh, yeah. and stuff. I mean, I was young. I was probably, I don't know, 20. When Most 20-year-olds aren't that nice anyways, but uh, <laughs> I was a nice 20-year-old. <laughs> but so I was taking this medication, and it really just it made me stop caring about things that I used to care about. It just made me really numb. And that's not a way that I wanted to live. And I started to become aware of that. And as I became aware of that, I decided, like, why am I taking this medicine? It doesn't do anything for me, and I'm not happy on it, and I don't think I need it. And so I decided to stop taking it. 
Well, I did not consult my doctor. I just stopped taking it. <laughs> and what happened? It's not a good idea. Do not do <laughs> as I did. Do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> so I remember I had driven two hours um, from my college to my hometown visiting friends and I couldn't get up. I was so dizzy. I would get up and I would have the worst vertigo. I would have to sit down to the point where I could not drive back to my college town where I was living. I spoke with someone. I can't remember how this came about, but I realized it was because I hadn't taken the medicine. And so I had to go get a prescription of the medicine, stay a couple of days and get back on it. And then I drove back home. When I got home, I decided I'm off of it again. Got off of it. And I stood up another time. It's always when I stood up that this dizziness would come in. I fell to the floor. You know, I blacked out for just a minute. I basically fainted um, because I was going through some sort of withdrawal from the medication and I would black out. So I would have a glass of wine and I would black out. I would get up off my couch and I would black out. And that's not okay. And that's not normal. And so I know it was because of the medication, but it was because I wasn't taking the medication as directed. I just decided to stop taking it and my body couldn't handle it. So when you're getting off a medication, any type of medication, you have to do it through the supervision of your doctor that's going to very specifically tell you to get off small increments at a time and slowly wean you off and make sure that you're not having these horrible side effects like I was having. I just want to put that out there because I was dumb and I did it and I thought what they said didn't matter, but it absolutely matters. So that's the first step is talk to your doctor about why you want to get off medication and then get on a plan with them to do it responsibly. Susie, what do you think? I think that we need to do a whole episode on this topic because I also have experience (laughs) with this. I also inadvertently, I was on antidepressants myself. I have a lot of experience with depression. Um, It runs in my family from really severe to just, you know, light depression. But I think on both sides of my family and some other types of mental illness, That's my family's genetic burden to bear. I've actually dealt with depression throughout my life ever since I was a kid. I just didn't know it. I just thought that was the way I viewed life and that was just me. When I was about 25, I found myself clinically depressed. I knew that I felt really hopeless and helpless and I just didn't care about anything. And and I sought out help because I didn't want to be that way. I didn't want to feel that way anymore. Mm -hmm. I began therapy, talk therapy, and... And uh, my therapist suggested I try antidepressants, and I resisted it because I just didn't want to take them. But she convinced me that if you view antidepressants as a tool, that you don't have to commit to being on it for the rest of your life, that if you try it out to see if it works for you and use it as a tool to get through perhaps a very rough time, although some people may need to be on it for a very long time or the rest of their lives, as Allison said, we're not doctors, I accepted. I said, okay, and I went to see a psychiatrist. And first I tried Effexor XR. I did. And, that was what I was on, Effexor. Yeah. And I was on it for a while. It was okay. It actually helped me for a little bit in the interim. My boyfriend at the time said, you know, you're better. Your lows aren't as low, but you still don't smile. Mm. And I thought, well, that's, that's interesting. Another side effect that I dealt with is I completely lost my sex drive. And he did not, my boyfriend did not like that. <laughs> <laughs> 
And that was a possible side effect. So I went back to the same psychiatrist and he said, well, we could try Wellbutrin, which is what this listener is talking about, right? I tried Wellbutrin and whoa, was that the wrong drug for me? Within three days, I had a very severe reaction. I felt completely anxious and nervous and jittery. And I, I called the doctor immediately and he said, yeah, that, that doesn't sound like it's the right one for you. And I said, no shit. But I went back to the effects or XR and one time when I was, I think I was on it for about six months, seven months. And my boyfriend just had to deal with it. We, <laughs> we, we dealt with my loss of sexual desire. But I traveled to New York for Christmas and I actually forgot my medication mm. and didn't realize it for like a day until I started feeling like I'd, I had very similar experiences that you did, Allie, I, except I felt like they were like little thunderstorms in my brain. Mm-hmm. And it, it would happen at random times and it would just be like zap. And I'd be, and be like, what was that? It just felt that's what it felt like, like a little lightning bolt in my brain. Like something was wrong. Wow. I also had to get an emergency prescription filled and then eventually with the help of my doctor did get off of it and really decided to approach it more in a holistic way, researching omega-3s to help brain function, researching nutrition to help mood. Interestingly enough, I did eventually see a different psychiatrist in New York who was very well respected and he did a whole profile on me. I had to take a questionnaire to see how depressed I was. Mm-hmm. And he said, yeah, you're a candidate for medication, but they have found that with consistent exercise, I think three to five times a week where you break a sweat and you really get a good workout, good cardiovascular workout, that that can be as effective as antidepressants. That's and he amazing. Told, and I did not expect to hear that from him. He makes his living off giving people drugs. Good for him for telling the truth. And I researched that fact and you can look it up. It has been shown that if you get a decent amount of exercise, of cardiovascular exercise, breaking a sweat, getting your heart pumping, it can lift your mood. The first time around, I just didn't exercise because I was just bummed out. Yeah, yeah. Depressed. But if you feel like you're depressed or have been diagnosed with depression, you can look that up and it actually does work. It is one of the things that I utilize to combat my depression, which sometimes can come back. Mm -hmm. I'm really sorry that this listener lost her sister. I lost my mom three and a half years ago and it definitely worried me that I was going to fall back into my clinical depression. I would just suggest to this listener to be really gentle with yourself, Mm -hmm. to know that whether it is genetic or lifestyle or circumstantial or a combination of all three, when you're talking about mental health, there are a lot of things you can do in addition to taking drugs to get your your brain balanced again. And sometimes it's a change of perspective. I had to learn how to think positively because I would look at the world with a kind of gray colored glasses and that did not help my depression. I had to, you know, make sure I was getting my proper nutrients to feed my brain so that it could be positive and happier. And I had to go to talk therapy and work on my own issues in my past and things like that. So I applaud her for, for reaching out, be really gentle with yourself and educate yourself. And of course, Tell your doctor what you're wanting to do and find the support. You know, the drugs are a tool. A therapist is a tool. Joining an exercise group, they're all just tools to get your brain back in happy balance. Absolutely. I think that's really great advice. And I'm, I also just want to say one book that helped me deal with depression and negative thoughts and things like that is Louise Hay's You Can Heal Your Life. I really like that one. It's basically about positive affirmations. So like Susie was saying, you know, seeing the glass half full, being more positive. That book really helped me understand how to do that and why it was important instead of just going, oh, everything is wonderful. Well, no, it's not. The book is really about honoring that 
inner love and guidance that's within yourself and teaches you how to be positive and why it's important to really see the world in a different light, not to discount your loss in any way. I think that it honors your loss to live a happier, wonderful, positive life. I can speak from experience as well. Uh, One tool that was really powerful for me that I learned years after I lost my parents, so I wasn't doing this right away, but I still do it now, is write and burn. And I've talked about this on the show before, but essentially what it is is when you're feeling angry, frustrated, sad at anything, it doesn't have to be about your sister, about your loss. It can be about traffic or it can be about your boss or it can be about, you know, the door doesn't close properly and no one's going to fix it and your landlord sucks and whatever, right? It's about writing down all the things that are bothering you. Anything that is going on in your life that you're not happy with, you write it out and you can curse and you can be angry and you can be yourself and you can say all these things. No one's ever going to read this. You're not going to keep it. Then what you do is you put all that energy on paper and then you burn it. If you're in a small apartment, it's not safe to burn. Then you rip it up into tiny little pieces and destroy it. So the point is, is the energy is now out of your body onto the page, destroyed and sent back into the universe. And it's at that time when the positive loving energy will flood your body. And it feels so good to get that negative out because then there's so much space created for the positive loving energy, the being that you are to come through. And so that's something I really recommend. And of course, like Susie said, therapy, support groups, anything, anything you can do to support yourself. But I do wholeheartedly believe that most people can live a wonderful life without antidepressants or something that is suppressing your thoughts. I think it's really about honoring your thoughts and and being with them. I've heard this from numerous places. Depression is anger turned inward. Mm -hmm. Um, I've also heard depression is, you know, looking over your shoulder and anxiety is fearing the future. Constantly looking behind you at your past and anxiety is constantly worrying about what's coming. And those both resonate for me because I had a lot of anger that I think I was never allowed to express as a female. I feel like females in general are more encouraged to be sad and boys are more encouraged to be angry in general. That's a very broad generalization, but at least that was true for me. I was not allowed to be an angry little girl. I was allowed to be a sad girl. Right. And then my anger, well, what would I do with it? Well, I kind of turned it on myself and then it just sat there. Like I said, I could talk about this forever, but (laughs) I don't want to do that. So I utilize something that Julia Cameron talks about in The Artist's Way, also in The Right to Write, which is a one, they're both wonderful books, whether you're an artist or not, whether you're, if you're a writer, I highly suggest The Right to Write, but she suggests morning pages. And that is in the morning you get up, and you write three pages, and that can be legal pad, that can be small page, whatever you want, it doesn't matter. You just kind of, this is kind of gross to say, but verbally vomit, like, or <laughs> write down, just get out whatever's on your mind, whether you had a bad dream, or you had a fight with your husband the night before, or um, you're not looking forward to today, or if things are good, whatever it is, just you get it out on the page, and it kind of resets whatever's going on in your brain, and you can keep them, or you can eventually have a big bonfire. I actually keep them because I like to journal. Mm-hmm. And I almost set my bathtub on fire. So, the- <laughs> but both of those are, are excellent tools, I think. Yeah, I love the morning ritual as well. So, again, thank you for your question. And I know we didn't get to um, talk about the Adderall and answering your question, but that is what Adam is really an expert on. And he talks about that. So, go back and listen to part one of this interview with Adam. And next up, we have part two of our interview with Adam and Bobby. All right, we're back with Adam and Bobby Sud, twin brothers who are working together to make the world a healthier place. Adam and Bobby grew up in a healthy household. In fact, their father was one of the founding investors of Whole Foods Market. Ironically, even though his dad's company is the mecca 
it really is the Mecca for organic whole foods. <laughs> yeah. Adam found himself addicted to fast food and Adderall through college. Just three years ago, Adam weighed 300 pounds. He was a type 2 diabetic, a drug addict, a fast food addict, and was suffering from severe depression. While in rehab, he took it upon himself to reverse his type 2 diabetes by implementing a plant-based diet into his recovery program of medication and therapy. Within six months, he reversed the diabetes, and today he is over three years sober and maintains a healthy weight. Now Adam's twin brother, Bobby, finds himself in a similar place as Adam was years ago. He is overweight, type 2 diabetic, takes multiple prescription meds, and is suffering from depression. Bobby has moved in with Adam for six months and is living his plant-based lifestyle and is on his way to recovery. And they will be documenting every moment and doing a podcast and a web series during this project. Next up, part two of our interview with Adam and Bobby. Well, welcome, Bobby. Thank you. You're welcome. So how do you feel about Adam's interview so far? It's great. Yeah. He's a man. He's not a man of a lot of words. So that's okay. He didn't come. We'll make him talk. Yeah. (laughs) We know you didn't come with the intention of participating. We know you came with the intention of listening. So feel free to um, say as little or as much as you want. And so, Adam, it sounds like your next goal is to help Bobby with some of the stuff he's dealing with. Is that exactly? Yeah. It was a few months ago. Where were we? Philadelphia Airport. Yes. It was funny. We were uh, waiting for our flight. We had like we were flying to Israel. And we were with my dad, and it's funny because he was looking at his iPad, which he is most of the time, and he was acting like he wasn't paying attention. But uh, I just, I, I, I had had this like desire to want to ask Bobby, "Are you happy with where you are physically and and emotionally?" And he said, "No, not really." And I said, "Is there anything keeping you in Austin, Texas?" And he said, "No, not really." And I said, "Well, why don't you move in with me for six months?" and live my lifestyle and he's a filmmaker so i said look you can put cameras all over my place i don't care mm-hmm. you can film it all the time make a documentary of this you live my lifestyle you eat what i eat and you do what i do and we see what happens to you as a result of it mm-hmm. well he was a type 2 diabetic mm-hmm. well i guess technically he's still i guess still are type 2 diabetic but and 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 he's been depressed for a while and so he's on all these he's on medications I said, well, get, you know, you can get off the medications and we'll see what happens. And he said, yes. And it was funny because my dad had his laptop. And when Bobby said, yes, he goes, look straight up like he was listening to the whole conversation. Because this is something he's been wanting to say to my brother as well for a long time. But uh, we didn't know how to approach it. I just, I just, you know, asked him. And amazingly, he said yes. And so he moved in a few days before New Year's. Um, Pretty recent. Yeah, it was during the, actually during the blizzard. And yeah, you, you drove like twenty hours straight. Oh wow! Because he didn't want to stop and get his. He rented one of those big U-Haul things. Mm-hmm. He didn't want to get it stuck in the blizzard, and so he just kept oh, driving. Yeah. yeah. And he called me, and I thought he had stopped and stayed at a hotel that night. And he called me at like four in the three in the morning, and I thought, you know, cause there was, it was an hour later there. I thought he was just getting an early start. I said, all right, so good. You're getting an early start. I'll see you here at like 2 in the afternoon. He goes, no, I'm at the front door. I was like, nah, that's, that's funny, Bobby. He goes, no, seriously, come open the door. <laughs> so, yeah, it was, it was great. But So we started. Dr. Matt Letterman from Forks Over Nice, mm-hmm. he's agreed to be our doctor for this whole uh, thing we're doing. And he's at the uh, Whole Foods Market Wellness Center in Glendale. That's amazing. Um, they have a wellness center that all the employees can use there. And Matt and Alana from uh, Forks Over Knives or the doctors and they treat with whole plant-based diets. Mm-hmm. And um, and so we went and we had a first checkup 
And I think your blood sugar before we got started was uh, 300 was 300 yeah. off the medication and his blood pressure was like 140 over 100 he weighed 250 pounds and so on the 5th of january is when we got started and what he was going to do is he was he didn't have the luxury of you know sort of stepping down and going to egg whites to like no. full on like full on <laughs> no oil vegan he just went like from a hunt from zero to 100 wow cold um, turkey yeah he ate what but but it's, he's living with me so he doesn't have an opportunity to That's there's good. like no junk food in the apartment right it's, it's just you know and so we do he does rips big bowl um rip esselstyn has a cereal at mm-hmm. whole foods called rips big bowl he does that with almond milk and then for uh for lunch it's just like the black beans or the red kidney beans with um with uh corn and steamed broccoli and that and the engine two marinara sauce yep. and he just makes like a big bowl of it and we pretty much do that like, and how is it is it good i like it yeah and we do, we do that like every day that's his yeah. meal every day but in 21 days or 25 days he's lost 20 pounds mm-hmm. oh my god his, yeah. his blood you? sugar went from over 300 to 160 his blood pressure went from 140 over 100 to 120 over 80. And they took him off his type 2 diabetes medicine like day one because Dr. Letterman said as long as he's eating that way, he doesn't need the medicine anymore. I, I love how when my endocrinologist, when I would go to his office uh, in Austin, and I, I'm sure it's like this everywhere, they don't say you can take metformin or mm-hmm. you can become a vegan. Yeah. You know, they don't tell you that. And that's something that's what I asked earlier because it's like, I, you know, I don't know how many people that get diagnosed even know that, even know yeah. that it's possible. It's crazy because... Uh, and the doctors won't tell you it's possible because no, no. metformin is not a cure. But, mm-hmm. you know... But right. to their defense, I mean, doctors aren't nutritionists. Mm-hmm. They're trained to treat disease with medicine. They're doing their job. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's the unfortunate situation is that the public doesn't know any better. That We don't know that these foods are so great for us and we can have these incredible healthy lives if we eat this way. You know, people, uh, and they say, oh, I could never be vegan. Seriously? Well, they don't know that they can. Just like the doctors don't know that food heals, right? Maybe some do, but... Well, he he came up with a... He kind of answers that from this line from The Princess Bride. Mm -hmm. uh, Whenever... uh, Cassini would say inconceivable, mm-hmm. and then and Ego would say, "You keep on using that word. I don't think it means what you think it means." <laughs> That's when people tell me they go. They go. When, he, when they say I can't be a vegan, he says, "You keep on using that word. I don't think it means what you think it means. It means completely incapable. You're totally capable of doing this." Um, but uh, he's he's been doing you know really really well on this, and um, I mean you know the first week. Because I train at a, a a circuit training gym called Basecamp Fitness, and they're they're amazing. the 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 studio manager uh, Nigel and Ian uh, are are fantastic, and Nick, the trainers, they're they're great there. And what it is, it's it's your typical like kind of CrossFit thing where you're on a bike for a minute, then you're on the floor doing an exercise for a minute, then back and forth for like forty five minutes. Um, and so he's just going to join. And he'll come do my workout, and uh, you know, like the first week was tough because yeah. Like like I said earlier, the gym forces you to see you for yourself mm-hmm. physically. Maybe. And I was an athlete in high school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. he was varsity tennis in high school. And so, you know, like halfway through the first workout, he sort of just stopped and just sat on the bike and rode the bike, didn't want to. And I could see that it was not that he couldn't do it physically. It's just emotionally, that was as much as he could handle. Yeah, I and, and he wasn't really up for talking about it. But I think that we sort of broken through that sort of um you know emotional barrier uh, where your ego 
wants you to believe that you're perfect mm-hmm. and that, you know, it's not a problem. I just don't like doing this. Or, you know, it's not that... Uh, it's not that I'm struggling. It's just this is a bad workout. Mm-hmm. Um, and not placing blame anywhere else. Exactly. Because yeah. your ego really wants you to believe that you're fine. Yeah. And you have to let go of your ego in order to, to become something else. Mm-hmm. And um, and so, he, but he's been doing uh, an incredible job. I just can't believe he's actually doing it. It's just, I mean, like there are days when like, you know, like today, uh, I wouldn't have had cereal for lunch, but he did, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but that's because I'm such a control freak. Like I just, I just want him to do exactly what I say every time I say it. And I know that that's not <laughs> How's that working out for you? <laughs> exactly. But, um, Bobby, how's that working? It's, it's, a, it's, uh, <laughs> There was, that, there was that day last week when I heard him in the bathroom and cause I, I got on him because he, he wanted to have cereal again for dinner and like cereal's fine but there's like no new there's no greens in it right. and so you're not getting all the the amazing phytochemicals and, and, and micronutrients and so I said I said you sure you really want to have cereal again and he looked at me and he made his cereal he went into the, to, to my room to watch TV and I heard him in the bathroom and he goes God, this whole thing is fucking horrible. <laughs> but I knew that was just the moment, but I, yeah. I couldn't help myself from starting to laugh when I heard it. Look, it's not easy. No, Let's it's not, not. sugarcoat this. No, it's this not easy. This is hard work, yeah. right? Like, you went through a lot to get yeah, where you are. Exactly. And now Bobby is at, you know, the beginning stage. The beginning, it's, yeah. Well, I, like, it's I, funny I, I, I would say the same things in recovery when I was in sober living. There were days when like I would get in my room and my towel would be gone. And I would freak out on everybody. It wasn't because my towel was gone. It was because it was, that was the last inconvenience I could handle with mm-hmm. that day. And it was just everything else I was dealing with, with was coming out on everyone because my towel was gone. Mm-hmm. And so I get it. You know, you just all you wanted, all he wanted to do was have a healthy cereal, which is fine. Rip's cereal is healthy for you. And he just wanted to do that and have his day. And, right. and I just, you know, of course, I, you know, I just want him to lose, you know, a lot of weight and get these numbers really fast, which is not the, not the point. It's to do it successfully, right. not fast. And so... So you know better. I know better, but at the same time, I can't help. I can't help it because, you know, I just, I'm a control freak now. All right. So, Bobby, how are you feeling? Uh, I'm actually... I'm feeling uh, healthier and better. And, I mean, I knew what I was in for. <laughs> um, but at the same time, like, uh, as well as film, I studied, uh, uh, philosophy and, uh, world mythology mm-hmm. and, uh, the whole, if you look at like Joseph Campbell's hero's journey without the descent, you can't change, mm-hmm. you know, and everybody has a hero's journey, you know, maybe a different one every day. Yeah. And, uh, unless you go down either metaphorically, which is what most people do, or, like in the the myths where they go into you know Tartarus or the underworld, that's where they find something new in themselves and they come out a better person. So I was knew what I was in for, and uh, if you think of it as a hero's journey, you kind of get is. a little psyched about it, you know. So. That's really cool. I love that way of thinking. Yeah. But it's easy to say. It's easier to say. It's yeah. easier to say. But Everything's easier said than done. Yeah. But like you know that you can do it. Yeah. yeah. I have a question. Who was born first? I was. Bobby okay. Bobby was born eight minutes. I was going to say that minutes. Adam was. I was like, oh, no, he's, he was born eight minutes before me. Oh, so, okay. um, but uh, one of the other things I want to talk about is um, Break the Stigma Project, uh, which I'm an ambassador for. And we're doing this run uh, in May called the Icebreaker Run. And we have some incredible runners like Charlie Engel, 
who has a book coming out this year, uh, Julio Salazar, Chris Martin, Kevin Chem. Anyways, what it is, is it's it's called the Icebreaker Run because we want to break the ice on our country talking about mental illness. Because unfortunately, like with addiction, when the drugs are illegal, the addict becomes criminalized and, and is therefore stigmatized for the rest of his life. Mm-hmm. Uh, mental health sort of has a th- the same things. We talk about, you know, like with the gun situation. Oh, it's not because, you know, he had access to guns because he was mentally ill. Okay, not all mentally ill people shoot people, all right? right? You can't just lump mental illness and the shootings into one thing that criminalizes the person who's struggling with mental illness. Right. So we're doing this run, and we start in May in Los Angeles, and we end in June in D.C. So we're running from L.A. to D.C. Oh, my God. Yeah, and we're... Like Forrest Gump. Yeah, exactly. 3,100 miles. Quite um, a project. I love it. And uh, we're partnered with the Heron Project and Mental Health America. So when, when we finish in D.C., Mental Health America will be kicking off its its Mental Health Awareness Week. Mm-hmm. And so we will, we will literally run up the steps... And at the uh, Capitol building and kick off the mental health awareness thing. And it's going to be an amazing thing. I and love this. Yeah. This is so awesome, you guys. Bobby and I are going to be on the bus that travels and we're we're going to be doing a podcast and documenting the whole thing. So it will be coming out and people can follow it. And it's going to be this. Great. It, I really think I'm it's not going to be, be running, though. He is. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, and that's funny because I got a call from Julio Salazar and Charlie Ingle. Charlie Ingle is this incredible ultra runner. He, he just did the hundred and. 20 something Badwater run it's called uh not not the the desert run but when you run from Badwater to the top of Mount Whitney so it's mm. the lowest point in America to the highest point in America oh god over wow. 120 miles and um and uh he called me it was like four in the morning my time because they're they're on the east coast and they constantly forget that I live in California <laughs> so it's like four in the morning it's like yeah they go listen Adam we got this great idea it's called the icebreaker run uh, we're running in L.A. in May. Do you want to run with us? I was like, yeah, sure, great. How far is it? And they go, it's to D.C. And I, <laughs> and I said, you guys know I haven't even run my first marathon yet, right? So my first marathon is going to be 3,100 miles across the country. Oh, so, my gosh. No sweat. Yeah, no sweat. It's going to be great. So I'm super You got excited. this. Yeah, super excited about it. I love it. Okay, so, um, Bobby, you said you're not running. So are you going to document it? Yeah. Or, okay, cool. Yes. That's yeah, awesome. and he'll be uh, you know there for moral support. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, but it's great because it's gonna be that's month five. May will be month five from our project, so we'll be wrapping up our six month thing. That's so true. what a cool way to end it. Love it. Then to be on the bus where we spread awareness for mental health, mm-hmm. and then at the same time we can spread a message for health and food. Because I mean I'm gonna fuel myself just with a plant based diet, which mm-hmm. is the best way to fuel yourself if you're an endurance athlete, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But um, and then uh, Rip Esselstyn, I, I also, uh, he's asked me to be a motivational speaker at their immersion. So I speak in May in Sedona at awesome. the immersion. This will be my second year doing it. So a lot of cool things happening this year. There's so much coming yeah. up for you. This is so exciting. And it's all because you change your life and you can yeah. speak from that incredible experience. Thank you. And inspire others. And that's what this is all about. That's why we do this show, because we want other people to be inspired and wake up and go, Oh my God, they did it. I can do that too. And I do really like your show. I have it on my iPhone because now I'm addicted to listening to the podcast. And so, um, <laughs> Transferred all your yeah, addiction you guys to just things. You guys just released one, right? Yes, I just saw the new the new red number just came up on my He's getting me hooked head. on more. I was just listening to Star Talk with mm-hmm. Neil deGrasse Tyson, but now I'm, yeah. now I'm starting to There's listen so to many the healthy ones. He's starting to get 
passionate about food because he's, he's seeing what it can actually do mm-hmm. to, for himself. And so, I mean, I didn't give a crap about this stuff three years ago, but now it's like all I can talk about. Oh my God, me yeah. too. Not three years. I'm a little bit longer than you. I'm like probably seven years in, but like seven years ago, I didn't know what a carrot was. Like I didn't care. Yeah. I didn't think nutrition mattered. And I had my own awakening because I lost both of my parents to cancer and I had to go through my own, you know, journey. And yeah. now that's all I want to talk about. Yeah. If someone tells me they're sick, I'm like, hold on. I'm going to email you all the cures you're going to take. Like, here's your ginger root. Here's your tea. Like, you know, I want to fix everyone. Well, a, if, if you've read Doug Lyle's work, uh-huh. Doug Lyle wrote The Pleasure Trap, which mm-hmm. is one of the, the books that changed everything about my, my, uh, my recovery because it explains why, you know, when you eat these uh, standard American diet, you're you get this high pleasure response from a supernormal stimuli, this high dopamine response to a food that doesn't exist in nature. But your body thinks that everything you put in your body comes from nature. So it tells you that it sees a lot of chemical, a lot of calories and a high dopamine response. So your body is actually going to tell you to keep doing that because it's the right thing to do. Really and so that's where the addiction to the standard American diet. And then once you go from that to eating these, you know, uh, what you're supposed to eat, uh, kale and whatnot, it has a normal dopamine response, but now when you're addicted to a high dopamine response, mm-hmm. it tastes bad. And so your body sees not a lot of calories and a low dopamine response. It's going to tell you that even though you're doing the right thing, it feels like the wrong thing mm-hmm. and not to do it. So you have to just sort of push through that period. And so I knew that scientifically, based on his studies, that there was going to be a day when I woke up and this was not going to be a chore mm-hmm. and I was going to be able to get up and do it. And then there was going to be a day when I woke up and I was going to look forward to it. And that, that did actually happen. And he writes about how when you find something new that's profoundly affected your life due to evolution of the species, we want to share new technology and new things that better our lives this is something we've always wanted to do. Like when we found out how to make fire. We went around and showed everyone how to make fire. The only problem is when no one else knows how to make fire, everyone wants to learn how to make fire. But when with food, you're saying, oh, I found out how to do it and what you're doing is wrong. That's why there's that difficulty of talking about it with other people. Well, it's back to the ego. Yeah, exactly. Our egos tell us what we're doing is right and there's no other way. Exactly. And it's when you kind of let go of that and go, maybe I should listen. But it's hard. Not everyone can do it. And it's an evolution of your mind. You know, it's a mind, body, spirit connection. I'm sure you couldn't have done what you did with your food without working on your emotions. And I'm sure the food helped working on the The emotions. Definitely did. You know, because I'm an atheist. And Mm -hmm. so they would be telling me all these facts about vegan diet. Mm -hmm. And facts are what rule my life. Mm -hmm. You know, if it's if it's not a scientific fact, I don't put much stock into it. Sure. And so I'm sitting here thinking, okay, these are the facts. And my ego is telling me, who don't listen to that. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> it's amazing how, how how I can sit here and say, this is right, but and not believe it. Yeah. You yeah. know? <laughs> Cognitive dissonance. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I've always had that too. A little angel and devil on my shoulder going, um, well, this is true. And then the other one is like, this is BS. And yeah. I, they're constantly fighting for me to make a decision. It's really interesting. And sometimes you're not aware of it. And sometimes mm-hmm. you are. And when you're aware of it, you can go, I pretty much know what I actually believe, even if I have that nagging other devil on the shoulder saying something else. I think it's just like my ego was telling me not to do it because I didn't want to be uncomfortable. Oh, it is exactly uncomfortable right. to change. Yeah. Yeah. Change is uncomfortable. We always want what's comfortable even yeah. when it's bad for us. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But it's worth it. Yay. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you're about a month and a half finish? 
A month. Just okay. a month, yeah. So you're a month in and you're doing this for six months? Mm-hmm. Okay. That's got- the that, that's the plan. We just I just didn't want to make it seem like he was gonna have to commit to anything super long. Yeah, so I said, yeah. why don't you just move in for six months? But it's sort of it you know I he's, sold my apartment and my car to come yeah. out here. So. <laughs> <laughs> he's more committed than he thinks. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> okay, good. No, that's awesome. So, can you guys, do you want to check back in with us in a few months and tell us how you're doing? Absolutely. Like where, you're, where you're at with That'd your That'd be progress? wonderful. Definitely. Yeah, we would love that. All right, we'll be right back with Adam's mantras and advice and tips on the recovery process from addiction. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of Entrepreneur on Fire, and you're listening to the Food Heals Podcast, where you'll find the tools to become a hotter, healthier, happier you. We'll be right back with Allison Melody and Susie Hardy. Food Heals Nation, if you're like us, you care a lot about the food that you put into your body because you know that food heals. The problem is that good, healthy food can be extremely expensive. But it doesn't have to be. That's why we were thrilled to discover Thrive Market. ThriveMarket.com is like the Costco for everything healthy online. That's right. It's an online shopping club offering the best brands and groceries up to 50% off retail prices. Ship nationally for free. They have brands that I buy all the time like Simply Organic, Garden of Life, Dr. Bronner's, Tom's, Nutiva, 7th Generation, Gaia, and so many more. So basically everything I'm already buying at Whole Foods, right? Exactly, but at 25 to 50% off. And you can easily filter everything by your preferences. Gluten-free, vegan, raw, non-GMO, organic, and even fair trade. But what I love most about Thrive Market is their charitable cause. For every paid membership, ThriveMarket.com donates a free membership to a low-income family, a teacher, or a military family. How awesome is that? This is a game changer, Food Heals Nation, because you never have to pay full price for healthy foods again. That's why we scored an exclusive discount for you. Yes, so check out Thrive Market and get two months free membership plus 15% off your first order. Join the movement at thrivemarket.com slash foodheals. All right, Food Heals Nation, we're back with Adam and Bobby. We're going to hear some tips on the recovery process from addiction. So what are some of your tips and advice for anyone who knows that they need to recover from an addiction, whether it's Adderall, whether it's sugar, whether it's alcohol, whatever, food, whatever it is? I remember being able to say it to myself in my head that I was an addict, but I was never able to say it out loud. It's an interesting thing that uh, if you're able to actually talk to someone about it, it doesn't matter who they are. When you hear the words being said out of your mouth versus saying it in your head, you process it differently. Mm-hmm. And so, and that's that's a, a helpful thing that I've used in, in times of when I wanted to, to relapse was not just thinking this isn't a good idea, but actually saying it out loud saying, I'm struggling today and I want to use Adderall or I'm struggling today so I want to go eat a cheeseburger. Allow myself self to hear the actual sickness so that it gets processed through the frontal lobe of your brain. Um, and that's where all logic and, and, and reason happens. And so you're actually able to hear what you're actually thinking instead mm-hmm. of just hearing it in your head when there's no actual sound. And so I, that's something that I, I, I always use. But I would say reach out to anybody, whether it's a friend, uh, whether you know they have the, uh, the phone numbers that you can call, call and talk to a doctor. Because if, you, if you're able to start talking about it, that's always the, the first step. 
Well, and it's hard. It can be really it hard can be to talk really about. Really difficult to talk about. Yeah. Like I said, I it took me three months to actually say out loud, "I'm addicted to Adderall." Mm-hmm. It's a it's it's a really freeing experience if you can do it. Just just admit it and and move forward. But there's nothing to be ashamed of, and that. The most amazing thing that you can tell yourself is that your life doesn't get better by chance. It gets better by choice mm. um, and that it gets better by change. And so just because you're in this situation now, it doesn't mean that you're stuck there um, and that everybody has the amazing ability for remarkable change if you get the environment right. And most of the time, the environment that you're living in with your illness is the wrong environment for you to change in. Yeah. And so you're probably going to have to either go somewhere else or change your your surroundings. Luckily for me, I did move back to Austin, Texas, where I knew the dealers and I, and all the landmarks were were triggers because that's where I lived out my addiction. That's where I lived out all my destructive lifestyle habits. Here in LA, the only thing that's taken place for me here is my recovery. So everything I see is a trigger for recovery. Mm-hmm. And so the environment is right, and I was able to make remarkable change here. That's really interesting. And now Bobby is here, your brother. Mm-hmm. And so, Bobby, do you feel that the change of environment is affecting you positively? Is yeah. that helping you? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, the, there's no breakfast tacos here. That's, that's true. <laughs> yeah, but there's still a lot of fast food. <laughs> you can find them. Yeah. You, what, whatever you guys call breakfast tacos out here, they're not. <laughs> what is a breakfast taco? Exactly. Right? <laughs> they call them breakfast burritos. It's completely different. Yeah. <laughs> it's this whole food craze in austin it actually started in austin it's 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 small soft tacos so they're they're actually the size of tacos are not a burrito and what's great about it is no they don't tell you what they're putting in it you pick out of this list of incredible ingredients and because they're smaller the the ratio of ingredients per bite is better (laughs) so like you really it it, it, it's a big deal it's in a big austin. deal in austin but i bet you could make your own oh really you can healthy, yeah you right? can well oh yeah, yeah you can absolutely <laughs> so just why would you but they don't they don't have it's just torchies torchies is torchies is amazing. oh my god so good <laughs> okay so there's no torchies in la so have you found like healthy restaurants that you like or uh yeah i mean well no we went to like elevate was okay we went to elevate we've been to sage vegan bistro which sage. yeah which is amazing. The but problem right here is everything has cilantro in it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a, I'm not a if fan you just, of Have you ever tried asking them not to put I it did, in? I did, remember? And they said, we cooked it with cilantro. Yeah, so I was like, well, just don't bury it in cilantro then, you know? <laughs> I mean, we do, we, we eat, the great thing is, and, and probably the best way to make lifestyle change with food is to eat is prepare your own food and eat the majority of your your meals at your house because you want to be in have the most control over what goes into your body so we we shop every single basically every single day we shop at whole foods and we make our own our own meals and then a few days a week maybe once or twice a week we'll go out and eat at a restaurant other than eating at whole foods and we we go to whole foods i mean everyone says oh you you know you go there because of of who your family is and and yes of course that's a reason but Mm -hmm. also because whole foods is uh, an amazing company that not only is offers you the healthiest options, but is is uh, a corporation that is committed to bettering the lives of the people and the community and the planet that it serves. And uh, you know, if that means that um, 
you know, I get stigmatized because right now it has the stigma of being whole paycheck. Well, right. yeah, but I would rather pay a little bit more and do that much better for the planet and people. So I love that. I think that's beautiful. And I absolutely agree with you. And I, of course, understand the argument of people that think it's too expensive. But aren't they coming out with a Trader Three, Joe's type? Can you tell well, us a little bit about that? I actually don't know if we can. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say. Yeah. It. Okay, no problem. <laughs> I, I, it's Whole Foods 365. I can yeah. tell you that. Okay, that's yeah. exciting. Okay. I love Whole Foods. I, I recently discovered sprouts I don't know if you guys have been yeah, to sprouts yeah. I think that's also another great place to shop and listen any yeah exactly like what you're saying any store that is trying to inspire people right. to to want to learn about their food and where it comes from and and learn about the positive the, the 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 benefits of eating organic mm-hmm. and eating fresh produce mm-hmm. is great it does if you don't want to shop at Whole Foods don't shop at Whole Foods because anything that inspires people to change their lives for the better is the most important thing. I think that Whole Foods is most important in smaller rural communities. So for me, you know, we live in LA and we have tons of healthy food in our backyards, right? But when I when I travel, in most cities, unless you're in a big city like New York or Austin that has these healthy options, you are few and far between to find a vegan restaurant exactly. or vegan options. So for me, when I get into a new town, that my first stop is the Whole Foods because I know that yeah. I can find my organic produce, I can find my vegan snacks. Like It is my first stop and I think it's most important in those towns where they don't have all the options yeah, that we it's have just here. Like, uh, I went to college at SCAD, Savannah College yeah. of Art and Design, I and uh, in Savannah, then in it's it's southern cooking, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and and the last year I'm there, they built a whole. They built the whole food. <laughs> like, as as, we, as he left, they yeah. finally built one. We yeah. remember we had to drive to Charleston, South Carolina, yes. to go to Whole Foods. Yeah. You guys, two hours. I have the same story. I went to college <laughs> in Wilmington, North Carolina. I think they built the Whole Foods the year I was leaving us. So we had one health food store called Lovey's that had organic produce and had um, a few vegan options and like Thomas toothpaste. But there was no Whole Foods until I left. <laughs> All right, back to... I went to Berkeley. There was vegan and lots of vegetables. Yeah, sure there was, yeah. <laughs> oh, Susie. I mean... You just had the most charmed life ever. I, I think that uh, there's a few There's a few uh, quotes that I sort of uh, live by, and these have, have helped me sort of understand uh, the process of lifestyle change. And, and my favorite one is um, is the Aristotle quote, that we are what we repeatedly do. Excellence then is not an act, but a habit. Mm-hmm. Um, if I get up every single day and I make a, a meal that is comprised of whole plant-based foods, um, and I feed myself those foods, and I exercise every day, then I'm going to be a healthy person. And if I don't use drugs today, then I am a sober person. And that just by doing those, every single person that I come and uh, interact with, uh, I will affect them in a positive, healthy way because my energy is coming from every action that I do. Um, and that we're not our beliefs. We are more our actions and our beliefs. It doesn't matter what you believe if your actions don't back it up. So true. And so by living this way, this this makes me feel good and it affects every person that I that I talk to and everything about the way that I move through the world is changed by ev- by all the small things that I do every single day. And um, uh, I think that that that, that is uh, you know one of the most um, profound things that I, I've I've discovered is that. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter if I've done something once. It only matters if I do it every single day. And uh, sorry, I have a few. Go for it. Um, I love this. <laughs> well, um, you know, I talked about Rip Esselstyn, and um, I, I used his uh, his quote 
it's actually his is you can have health by choice not by chance and um i really think that 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 if people understood that that it's it's and it's kind of hard to it, it can be kind of you can seem insulted at first by saying that it's your choice to be unhealthy but it, it is your choice to be healthy also um and that if you're in a situation where I know that a lot of people think, well, oh, well, the, you know, heart disease and cancer, that's just runs in my family. No, what runs in your family is lifestyle habits. Uh, and that more so than our genes, our food plays a bigger role in, in the health of our, of our bodies. And that they say that something around 2% of all the cases of cancer in this country are actually caused by our genes. Right. The rest is caused by our lifestyle habits, yeah. more so than even the, the, the cancer-causing toxins yeah. that we come into contact with. The way that we feed our bodies will have a greater impact on us having or not having cancer. Heart disease, cancer, stroke, type 2 diabetes, these don't need to exist. And you can, can, you can make sure that your life is free of those, uh, those, these horrible diseases just by changing the way that you eat. And, you know, if that means I can never have another, uh, you know, hot dog or, or cheeseburger mm. again for the rest of my life, then fine. You know, I mean, I think I think it's time to, to get get serious about that. And, um, you know, I, I totally agree. And I think it's so important what you're saying, because so many people get diagnosed with a disease and talk about how unlucky they are yeah. and talk about the people in their family that had it and talk about their genes. Yeah. And they just resign themselves to taking the medication and that's it. But, you know, a lot of the time is you resign to taking medication because you're scared. You yeah. don't know any better. And, and you know, it is, you know, I do feel for people who are, who, I, I feel greatly for people who are diagnosed with cancer because so many people don't know this. They don't know. They don't know. Yeah. And, and, and that's the tragedy right. is that we are resigned to watching 1.5 million people die per year from preventable disease. Uh, and I had to watch an aunt um, pass away. Uh, from complications that arose from type 2 diabetes. Uh, she was young. She was, what, 60, 65? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, Bobby and I were very close with her, um, mm -hmm. and she taught us. She influenced a lot of the way that he and I view the world. Uh, mm -hmm. our, the spirituality that we do have comes from her way of viewing spirituality uh, in, in some extent, to some extent. And, and she... Instead of living long, a uh, long, happy, healthy life, she chose to die young, sick, and angry. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, I don't, I, I, I don't want that. That you know, it's, it's a selfish thing to do. Right. Uh, is to have that ha is to allow that to happen because especially when you have people who love you, and I have a family that loves me, and I don't want to want to do that to them. And I'm so proud of my brother for not allowing himself to uh to follow in, in in those footsteps because he means a lot to a lot of people and the last quote i want to uh i want to say is that um you know we cannot become what we want to be by remaining what we are mm -hmm. and uh and sometimes changing everything about the way that you live your life is what's necessary and for me i wake up today and everything about my life is leading me down a path where my drug addiction no longer comes into play. Some people ask, you know, well, you know, do your is is your drug issue you're you're using an issue anymore? I mean, to be honest right now, my brother takes Adderall. There's a bottle of Adderall in my apartment back at my place right now, and mm -hmm. there's a lot of it in there because he had brought enough for like 3 months. Mm -hmm. he, he's going to be working on maybe he will work on getting off of it, maybe he won't. He's not he doesn't have the issue that I had. But the fact is that 
It's never become an issue for me because I live a completely different lifestyle. Whereas today, the standard recovery world says, we're going to teach you abstinence and we're going to send you back to your life that you were living before the same way you were living it when you needed your drug to get through your day. And abstinence creates fear and a fear of life. And the whole anonymous thing, in my opinion, it, I, I really think we need to get rid of it because it keeps recovery back in the 1950s. Mm-hmm. The reason why addiction is a stigma is because even the addicts don't even want to say their names. We, The addicts themselves, we are part of the problem. We are keeping it in these hidden rooms, talking only with ourselves about it where we won't even say our names. Mm-hmm. It's a stigma as long as it's, in the, as long as it's being kept in the closet. And so that's why I, I really want to move forward with, with this whole you know, anonymous thing and get rid of it. If we could recover out loud, that would be better. Recover out loud. I love that. And I, yeah. it sounds like your run is going to bring a lot of attention to this. And I also just want to say what a testament it is to your recovery, the fact that you now have the very thing sitting in your home that was such a detriment to you that you were so addicted to yeah. sitting in your home and you haven't touched it. Yeah. I mean, because if you if I tried to give up sugar right now and you put a donut in front of me, I can't tell you I wouldn't need it, right? Right. And I'm not to compare to the two, but just the point is, is like you have completely transformed yeah. yourself from who you were before, and I think that's amazing. Thank and you. I think that it's really, really important for people to hear this and know, like, if you are at the bottom right now, you are severely depressed. You have food addictions. You have drug addictions. Whatever addictions you have, whatever depression you have, you can come out of it. You can heal yourself. Absolutely. As Adam said, the body is designed to heal itself, and it will if you give it the tools that it needs, whether that's emotional healing, whether that's diet, whether that is cleansing, juicing. It doesn't matter. You figure out what works for you, but listen to these stories and know that you can change. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> and I just wanted to add, Adam, I'm, I'm really grateful that you're bringing up, um, you know, talking about removing the shame for, for addicts because my mother was an addict. She was an alcoholic. And um, I know the incredible success they're having at certain countries like Portugal. Where they Portugal is incredible. Incredible. Yeah. Decriminalized every, everything and, and helping uh, people that have addictions to the, the country is spending money to find them jobs exactly. and give them treatment yeah, and Portugal, help them. Portugal will pay half their wages if someone were to hire someone in recovery uh, to do the job that they were previously doing. Right. Like I heard right. Johan Hari give his uh, TED yes. Talk. Did you hear that? Yes. And I, read, and I got his book because yeah, of it. Yeah. Chasing the Scream. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yes. A fantastic uh, book. And uh, I, I reached out to him and we were supposed to talk on Skype. Uh, in December, but it didn't work out. But I want to get in touch with him because I really like what he has to say that there's a bonding that takes place. And that while, you know, I do believe that there is such a thing as chemical dependency. Um, but a lot of what he talks about and what Dr. Gabor Mate talk about, uh, you know, the stigma, the criminalizing of the drug criminalizes the addict. And therefore, it's always going to be a war on people. It's never going to be a war on the substance. And and well, he, and his book talks about how we have this idea heroin, one of the most addictive substances yeah. on earth, that we give that pharmaceutical grade to people in the hospital, oh, and yes. they don't walk out looking for smack on the street. No, they don't. So the whole paradigm that we have around addiction has to shift, and I think it has to move towards forgiveness and loving um, those addicts because I personally believe. Addiction is just a symptom. There's always something else emotionally oh, the, or mentally beyond that. Yeah, the, the, the using is the symptom of the underlying disease. I mean, I, I took Adderall because there was something lacking in my life and I needed something to bond with. And when I found that, you know, what I needed in the drug, that's when it became important to me. Like I said to you guys in high school, I did, you know, 
I, I did X, I did acid, I did weed, I did shrooms, I drank. I mean, I went to a football high school in yeah. Texas. We drank a lot. Um, uh, but the only thing that made that I connected with was it made me feel important. It made me feel like I could be better than everybody, and I needed that then um, because I had a lot of self-image issues. And so that's what it was. That's what I was bonding with. It wasn't the substance. I became dependent on the substance because it, it created this false view of me. But you're right. You know, like in World War II, uh, I mean, not World War II, but Vietnam, like 40% of the soldiers there were using heroin, lots and lots of heroin. When they came back, we thought we were going to have a country full of addicts, and I think like 2% of them stayed addicts. Why is that? Why did they not continue using? Because they had these rich, textured lives that they could come home to, and they weren't stigmatized. They were welcomed back into society. So they weren't fighting a very difficult and, and horrible war. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I, I completely agree. All right. I love everything we've talked about today. Can you leave us with a tweetable? Yeah. Um, my, my two things I think are um, uh, the, um, that uh, recovery is the essence of recovery is being comfortable with being uncomfortable. And that if you are the problem, if you're the cause of your problems, you get to be the solution. If you are the cause of the problems, you get to be the solution. I love that. Where can everyone find you guys online, tweet you, stalk you, Facebook you? Well, you can find me on Facebook at Adam Sud and um, uh, Adam Sud eighty two on Instagram, and we have a website. I'll go ahead and yeah. uh, SudBrothers.com. dot com. Awesome. Um, there's some videos up there right now of the, what we've been doing. Uh, he hasn't written his bio yet, uh, but <laughs> it's a work in progress. But it's a work in progress. So, but that's yeah. where we can follow the transformation. That's where, we can, that's where you can follow the transformation. We're, we're, we're it's going to get better. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I'm so excited for what you're doing. I'm. I can't believe it. I'm. I would love for you guys to come back and check in with us in a few months. Like set up an appointment with Lisa now so we can. Yeah, you we know, would love that. Check back in and Definitely. see how you're doing. That would be awesome. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you guys for being here. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Side effects of this podcast may include increased health and vitality, thoughts of living longer, developing a more positive outlook on life. In rare cases, people have experienced a strong desire to put in their Lululemons and take a yoga class while drinking a green juice. If you experience any of these symptoms, text your priest immediately.